0: Well, I, I want to uh, apologize, first of all, for those of you who are cold this morning. That's my fault. Um, every time I get up here, I get hot, and I hate these lights, so I've been praying that I'd be comfortable today. So I'm really excited that God answered that prayer, so just, just bear with me on that. <laughs> um, the, the message that God gave me to speak about today, I entitled it, um, Joy and Godly Contentment. Um, Notice the the title of the message is not joy at all times, but joy and godly contentment. That's important um, to know that as we go through this message. And I want to start off by reading you a scripture, and it's in John chapter 15, verse 5 through 11. And it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So Jesus admonishes us here in this scripture and tells us that we can have his joy in us. But yet so many times, you know, I may find myself or see some of my friends Not walking in that joy, actually walking in despair and sometimes being into bondage to that. And that's not supposed to be for us. Now, that doesn't mean that you're always going to be, filled joyful 100% of the time. There are times, there's a time for everything the Bible says. But you can have joy and peace in the presence of Jesus. That's the key to all of this. Being in the presence of Jesus, you will always find joy and contentment in the presence of Jesus. And so, knowing that, there, there are a few things that sometimes keep us from being in the presence of Jesus. Wow, I just noticed a countdown clock. <laughs> 34 minutes and 16 seconds. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, I know it's like that 24 o'clock. I, just, I can hear that tick in my head. <laughs> Yeah. so anyway, um, there are some things that are common to all of us that keep us from being in the presence of Jesus, which, like I said, that's the key to our joy, being in the presence of Jesus. The, there's two big things that I believe that keeps us from being in the presence of Jesus, which, like I said, in return, keeps us from walking in that joy that Jesus promised us. Um, the first thing is the basics in Christ. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, that... But we all should have these basics down if we're going to have a relationship with Christ and be able to spend time in his presence. The basics would be having a relationship with God, having time in his word, and being obedient to him. If we go back and look at that scripture I shared at first, um, in verse 5, it said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. If we don't make the time for to spend time with him in his presence, we can do nothing without him. Um, Jesus is not saying that to be some religious thing where we, we go and, and we just punch our clock with him. It's an actual relationship, just like you have relationships in your lives with other people. It's different every time. You spend time with them. Sometimes you're talking close. Sometimes you're not talking a lot at all. Sometimes you're, you're doing all kinds of things, but you're spending time. And Jesus says that apart from him, you can do nothing. And so if there's a breakdown in your time with Jesus, that's, that's going to be something that's going to keep you from joy and contentment in the Lord. The other thing in that, in that scripture I read in verse 7, it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. There's another breakdown. If we're not in his word, then we can't expect to know about Jesus, what he thinks on a certain subject. We can't get that manna from the word. We can't have the power from the word if we're not in it. So, so many of us sometimes, we don't take our sword out We put our sword away, or we leave it somewhere. You know, how many of us would run off to a battle and leave our sword, you know, laying on the couch at home? You know, that'd be the first thing we'd want to do. We'd want to get our sword strapped on if we had a gun. We'd want to load our gun and make sure it's right there, because that's what you need in that battle. But sometimes, as simple as that, we're just not spending time in His Word. And the other thing was verse 10. And it said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in, in my love. We have to take God's commands seriously. That doesn't mean we're, we're going to be perfect, we're going to fail, but that's where his grace comes in. But if we're knowingly not doing something that he has spoken to us to do or to follow, that's going to keep you from being in God's presence. And so that is one of the major reasons why we don't have godly contentment at times is because we're either not in that right relationship, we're not obeying a command that that we know that he's told us to do, or we're not in the word. We shouldn't even go on past that if we haven't got those down. I am going to go past that today because I want to really speak to some things that I've had in my life and hopefully encourage you, you know, when you are doing those things and you still have, you know, trouble finding that godly contentment with the Lord. But those are the basics. Those have to be down first. If if you haven't been there, start there first. Um, and even if you don't get anything else I say today, if you at least do that, Jesus will work out the rest. If you're doing that, you cannot help but have Jesus work out the rest and put that godly joy and contentment in you. He'll find a way to, to mix it all together. Um, just in my own life, when I was learning this, I remember with Pastor Eric, I would go to him and I would say, "Eric, these things are happening in my life. This person's doing this and this is doing that and that that and that and, you know, go through all this spiel with him about what was going on in my life and the first thing he would do, he'd be like, "Phil, are you praying? Yeah. Are are you reading your word? Well, not not so much. I mean, you know. <laughs> and he would always diagnose it. You know, just like a doctor diagnoses when you go into a doctor and they They want to know questions, you know you've got to rule out the basics first before you you're looking for the you know some really strange disease nobody's heard of you know it's probably simply just a cold most of the time, and so again, you want to go back and make sure your basics are okay if you're not finding that godly contentment from the Lord. The second thing that I feel like keeps us from finding our our joy in the Lord is not knowing who we are in Christ. That's a big one. And I, I know that's kind of a broad term, and so hopefully I can break, break that down a little bit. But not knowing who you are in Christ is going to disconnect you from your, your relational power with Christ. Our power is found in Christ's presence. If the enemy or the world can separate you from that, you're going to fall, you're going to have a problem. That's where our power is found. There's a song um, by Jars of Clay called Trouble Is, and I'll read you some lyrics from that. And I I always like this song because it kind of expresses that. And it says, my wings don't sail me to the sky. On my own, these wings won't fly. Jesus told me so. Still, I'm not so sure that I know. can't find no rest for my soul. I can't find no rest on my own. Jesus told me so. Still, I'm not so sure that I know. Man, the trouble is, we don't know who we are instead. And I've found that true in my own life at times, that I forget who I really am. If I know who I am in Christ, I have the power of Christ in me. I know that I have an eternal destiny, that I have, my life has a purpose, it has a plan, it has, there's a timeline to it. One day, I'm gonna be walking with Jesus in heaven, in glory, and just joy, unspeakable, imaginable, seeing friends that I wish I could see now, just seeing all of those things, having an eternal place of rest, not dealing with sin, not dealing with my own failures anymore, just an awesome place to go. And I know that if I if I remember who I am in Christ. I remember I have a purpose. I remember I'm skillfully and wonderfully made, that even in all the things that I mess up, God still uses those for his glory, that he still purposes things for me to do. He purposes people for me to talk to, people for me to come across. There's, there's plans that he has for me. If I remember who I am in Christ, I remember I'm a king's child. That means that I'm, there's no higher place I could be. There's no higher royalty that we could possibly have. We are the child of the king of the universe. Our God is higher than everything else that was ever made, created, thought of, anything. And we are his children. Wouldn't you think that his children are well protected, well cared for, well loved? Could anybody love you any more than our God? When we know who we are, we will remember that our Father is faithful. Our Father is always faithful. It doesn't mean that we're always going to understand everything that's going on in our life. But we can remember that our Father is faithful when we know who we are. The, in, the enemy of your soul, there, there is an enemy who wants to take you away from God. When this enemy knows your power, is in your relationship, which he does. He knows it's in our relationship with Christ. He will try to convince us that we are not who God says we are, that you're not significant and important. The Bible says that you are the children of God, the friends of God more than conquerors. But the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. He wants to separate you from that power of knowing that. And again, like I said, if he can do that, then he's got you. As Christians, I believe we must be aware of the devil's specific attacks to our relational connection with Christ. Jesus was tempted in this way, just like we are. And like I said, I'm going to share some specific things in my life that I think will relate to a lot of people. I won't be able to share every specific thing that goes on in your life, or we'd be here all day, because the devil knows you. He knows where, where you tick, what your buttons are. What's going to be the best way to try to come at you to try to separate you from your relationship with Christ? But do not doubt this is one way he's going to try to get you not to have joy and contentment in the Lord by separating you from your power in Christ. Like I said, Jesus was tempted in this way. I'm not going to go to those scriptures, but there's scriptures in all of the gospels that talk about when Jesus was set forth on his ministry, he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down on him. And then he went away into the desert to be tempted. And he was in the desert for 40 days. And if you'll notice that there's three temptations that the devil brought to Jesus. And in the first two, he, he prefaced what he said to Jesus by, If you are the Son of God. And then he went on with his temptation. He said, if, if you are the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. And the second one he said, If you're the Son of God, cast yourself down you know both time, both of those major temptations he's prefacing that with if you are just to put that seed of doubt that Jesus may have doubted who he was to the father and the and the devil has the same playbook for us you know whatever it is if you if god really loves you you know maybe he'll answer this prayer this time you know if if you know he wants to do that to separate us from remembering who we are in christ And you see, and you even see that all throughout Jesus' life. Even when he was on the cross at the very end, there were still people saying, if you're the son of God, come off of that cross and save yourself. But Jesus, our awesome and perfect example, never wavered on that. He always knew who he was from day one till the last day, till he was raised again. He knew that he, what he had to do, and it did not matter how the devil prefaced it, he knew who he was and who he was to the father and who he was to us and what he had to do but his power in that came from knowing who he was and staying close to the father that's the example he gave us and that's the example we have to follow so some of the things that i've went through like i said that would be common to all of us it won't be for won't be necessarily for everybody um You'll have to search your own life to see where the enemy may try to, to separate you from your relational power with Christ. But the things that I want to share with you today are three. The, one, uh, the first one is questions of faith. I think, I think all of us would probably say we have questions of faith sometimes, depending on things that we go through. But the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the Bible says we have to have faith to please God. So it's very important. But sometimes we do have those questions come in that challenge that faith that we have to believe in God. So what does the Bible say about having faith? One thing the Bible says is that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know, that's one thing the Bible tells us to do to build our faith, the Word of God. We hear the Word of God, and it builds our faith, and faith comes. I believe the other thing that builds our faith and keeps our faith secure in those times are deciding to believe God on the merits of who He is and who His Word is. Word says He is ahead of time. You know, if we have that relationship with Him, we have to have it already settled in our heart that we believe God, that we're already going to believe who he is before we get to the, the situations that challenge our faith or whatever we go through. If we believe God ahead of time, then we've already won many battles that way. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You know, he believed God ahead of time. We have to choose to believe God even before we believe for an answer for God. There was a situation in my life where I was going through a very hard time, and there were specific things that I was praying for, specific things that was challenging me. I was praying for specific people and specific circumstances. And I thank God that during that time in my life, it was, it was a terrible time in my life. It was a very hard time. But I thank God that during that time, as I began to draw near to Jesus, as I began to draw near to him, because I didn't have nowhere else to go. Nobody, nobody else had the answer for me. Nobody else could give me the peace and the contentment that I needed. As I began to draw near to Jesus, I began to find out it was more important when I got up in the morning to be close to Jesus that day than it was the situation I was prayed for. It totally reversed. It started out, I, I went to Jesus because of the situation, and I kept... That's what drew me to Jesus. But then, once I got in his presence, it was more than I could could have ever hoped for. I found peace there. My situation wasn't solved. I still had to go there every day, and I still had hard times during that. But I began to rely on being in Jesus' presence for that peace and that contentment that I needed. And I realized that it completely flipped. One day, I woke up, and I'm like, you know, not that I had given up on it, and I still had faith to believe for what would— I was praying for, but I woke up one day and I was like, "It really doesn't matter if I'm without Jesus. You know that became the most important thing in my life, and i and I realized that principle, and I've tried to stick to that to believe God before even what I'm praying for, you'll find that Jesus is there for you and and even if Jesus decides to do something other than what you prayed and, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's peace in his presence. There's understanding in his presence. Your answers are with Jesus. And so we have to choose to believe God first. Um, A good story that that I love to read that just kind of builds me up in this is Daniel chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. And that's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And a lot of us have heard this, but I'm just going to read this again. Um, a A couple of scriptures from it, but... Just to preface it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego basically were Israelites. They were taken into another land to bondage. The, the king was Nebuchadnezzar there, and he had certain rules. And he said, whenever you say my name, or everybody's got to get down and worship me. And they weren't going to do that. They loved God, and they knew that would be wrong before their God. And so they decided not, to not do that, and that got them in a lot of trouble. Starting at verse 13, it says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, Pipes and all kinds of music. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Do you realize that in that scripture they had already made up their mind to believe God, despite whatever happens? Now that's not to say you go into prayers saying, well, God may do this or that. God wants us to have Faith. he wants us to believe that he's going to do what we're praying for according to his will but even if he chooses not to do that if we've chosen to believe him beforehand then he'll work that out within us and he'll bring it together for some greater good that we'll understand one day but they had chosen to believe God beforehand and that gave them great faith to believe that God could deliver them But, but you notice they said even if he doesn't we don't care we believe God and we're going where God wants us to go. And if that's to heaven today, then we're going to heaven. We're, we're going with God. <clears throat> Just a side note to that story. Um, I won't read you the scripture to it, but there was also another man seen in that fire. And that was Jesus. And whatever fire we go through, whatever we're facing, there's another man in the fire with us if, we, if we'll draw close to him. Another thing, the second thing that has that I think would be common to us is our purpose. I think if the enemy can get you to believe that you don't have a purpose or you're not important, then he can keep you from that deep relationship with Christ because what's the point? If there's no purpose for you, there's no point to really seek God, is there? Psalm 139.14 says, I praise you. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And and I like how that ends. I think David wrote this. It says, I know that full well. He knew that full well. Sometimes in my life, I'm not sure I knew that full well. If I was writing this psalm, if God chose me to write a psalm down, I might have left that last part out, that full well, at times. But I'm working on it. And when I keep that in perspective and when I'm close to Jesus, I do know that full well. And it's important that we realize that. I do believe that time spent with God will lead to specific revelations. You know, many times people will come to me and even myself if asked the same question. God, what, what specifically do you want from me? Yes, I know you made me for a specific for a purpose, but what specifically do you want for me? I believe God will, will do that for you. The Bible says, knock, ask, seek, and he'll open it up to you. But at the same time, I believe that the reason that a lot of us are in despair and that I've been in despair sometimes is because we will not accept where God has us at the present. You know, maybe he didn't answer us right away on that specific thing, and we won't accept where he has us at the small beginning you know we won't accept, at the jo- accept him at the job that he has us at right now, or accept him at the the place and wherever that he has us at right now. I believe that's where where we fall off at times, and 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 I've had that same thing with my life. You know, believing I should be further along in what I think God wants to do in my life, but I've had to come to the place where I just give it to God and want to be in His presence. Um, some scriptures that will help elaborate that is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 9 through 14 and it says what does a worker gain from his toil I've seen the burden of God that God has laid on men he has made everything beautiful in its time he has also set eternity in the hearts of men yet they cannot fathom what God do, has done from beginning to end I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do, do good while they live That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. In that scripture he says, everything beautiful in his time. God does have a perfect timing for everything. We have to be content to go and wait in his presence for that. But again, the contentment is found in his presence. The scripture says we can't fathom what God does from the beginning to the end. I, I can just tell you now, you know, you're not going to get all the answers from God. He's not set it up that way. He's set it up that you go to him every day and you guys walk it out together. That's where your answers are going to come, and they're going to come when you can handle them and when he wants to give them for the greatest purpose in your life. He goes on to say, that it's a gift of God to find satisfaction in all his toil. Another word for that would be work. You know, wherever God has called you at right now, that's where he's called you at. And he wants you to find joy from that. Don't get too far ahead of God and get disappointed and think your purpose is not being fulfilled. Your purpose, if if you're a Christian and you're walking with Christ, you have a purpose every day no matter wherever you're at right now. And... So many things are missed because we're not doing that. We think, this isn't big enough for what God has called me to, or this isn't big enough for God. It is, or he wouldn't have you there at that time. Sometimes we outthink ourselves. Um, kind of the whole book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is about, you know, finding purpose with God. If you read that that whole book... Solomon, the writer of that book, goes through there and he's, he's saying he tried to find peace, he tried to find contentment in partying, he tried to find it in building, he tried to find it in learning, he tried to find it in everything, under sun. whatever you think of that could maybe give you contentment or peace, he tried it. And he found that in everything, it was all pointless without God. Without God, it's pointless. So, I guess the thing that I've learned in this is be content in who you are. Serve God where you're at. Let God promote you. Without him, you wouldn't enjoy it anyway. I, I, know, you know, I, I know that God had called me into ministry at one time in my life, but I was telling my wife not too, too long ago, if I had went and did what I'm doing today or some of the things I'm doing in the home group Before the time, man, I would hate to see what a train wreck that was. (laughs) And I wanted to, but I had good people in my life and the Lord to keep me at the pace I needed to be. Because, you know, the more responsibility that God has given me, the more I'm like, wow, I'm just now this much over the edge of being able to handle this. You know, how would I have even handled all that stuff, you know, beforehand? So... Again, my whole synopsis for Ecclesiastes is pointless without God. Get close to God, and he'll take care of what you need to know and promoting you. The third thing is tribulation, and that's the last thing I'm going to bring up today. But we all go through tribulation. Romans 5, verse 1 through 4 says, Therefore, we have been justified through faith. We have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, I've been really blessed by the things that Aaron has been teaching on hope. And, you know, he used that, Scripture, I think that same one with the hope at the end. But one thing that Aaron said that really stuck with me, he was saying, if you take somebody out of that process, you know, where character is, you see a whole chain in that scripture of things that need to happen to build, to get to hope. But if you take them, that character development, and you take that person out of that process, they won't get to the deep hope that they need to have. I still go through hard things in my life, but I had a hope built in me and through situations that happened in my life that, that never goes away it's always there no matter what I go through and it keeps me going on it gives me peace and draws me near to Jesus but if somebody would have took me out of that place and somebody put, would have put a band-aid on me when I didn't, wasn't supposed to have a band-aid I wouldn't have got to the deep hope with Christ we need to look at it that way that doesn't mean it's not going to hurt that doesn't mean that you won't need to cling to Jesus every, every second sometimes Sometimes we do, but God has a purpose in it, and you need to trust him in it. God will show you that. God is molding us into his likeness. It hurts sometimes when we draw close to him, but it's for our greater good. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it, what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul said he learned the secret of being content in and in, in every situation. he said that secret was that he could do everything through him who gives him strength and that's what I'm talking about today the same thing that Paul learned our secret is in Christ that's where your contentment is found if you're having trouble with tribulation you're having trouble with questions of faith you're having trouble with something I didn't mention today the answer is going to be the same it's going to be Jesus and spending time with him building that relationship with him being close to him that's the answer to all of our questions. That's the answer to all of our our joy um, when we don't have it. It's being in his presence. Like I said, you're not at the very beginning of this message, you're not going to have joy all the time. But in his presence there can be found contentment and joy in his presence. The key is whether we're in his presence. Probably my favorite scripture in the whole Bible is Psalm sixteen eleven. It says You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I hold on to that. I I cling to that at times when I don't have joy. I I go back to what I learned. Go back to when I did when I was completely broken and close the door and just worship God. I'd go wherever I found his presence. I go to his word. I go I go seeking him. I go to find him. If I don't find it in his word that day, then I'll go find it in my closet. I'll go find it somewhere because he's there for me and he wants to be found by me. <clears throat> Staying in Christ's presence is the be- is our best defense for when the enemy is trying to separate us from our identity and fulfillment in Christ. Jesus showed us that as we stayed in the Father's presence and will, that his joy was full. If we do the same, we will also remain in his joy. We will not understand everything all the time we must go through, But we are promised His joy when we remain in Him. Never forget that your life is the story of a couple, you and Jesus. How you made it through, how you lived your life together, how you completed each other's joy. I have a video that that I want you to see. Um, A lot of you have probably seen this before. but every time I watch it, it just blows me away. And sometimes this is one of the things I go back to when I want, want to know about the presence of God. And So we're going to play that now for you. i Isn't God awesome? That's us. That's so us. I would like the leaders to come up now, and we're going to be here to pray for anybody who feels like that, for anybody who doesn't feel close to Jesus, for anybody who feels like